What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, we first got to start with that disgusting D-backs choke job to the Padres in the ninth inning. Then we'll preview today's game about how the D-backs can get back on track against the San Diego Padres. And then we'll discuss what will happen to this D-backs team. What's the best course of action if Madison Bumgarner does have to miss some time with some arm fatigue? We discuss all that on today's Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24, then myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, For today's podcast, I thought I was going to come on and start talking braggadociously. I thought I was going to get the Miller Thomas where we're five games into the season. I'm going to start talking crazy. I'm going to be the guy who is riding the emotional roller coaster. I thought I was going to come in off a high. I thought I was going to be talking crap about the Padres, going to my Locked On chat and be like, yo, Javi of Locked On Padres, what happened tonight? But... Unfortunately, there'll be no trash talking for me. I cannot get into my Angel Reese bag because the D-backs choke it down against the San Diego Padres in the ninth inning because even though it's a new season, it's the same story with D-backs closers ripping our hearts out in the ninth inning because overall, this was an interesting game by both the D-backs and Padres. This was tightly contested. It was another One score, close game like the D-backs played yesterday against the LA Dodgers. I guess the time of you guys listening to the podcast was two days ago. But this was another game, one run. The the two starters kind of dueled it out and kind of were evenly matched. You got to the bullpen. The bullpen was pretty evenly matched too until you got to the ninth inning. And the D-backs were able to take the ninth inning lead on an Evan Longoria home run. But they weren't able to get the insurance run because remember, it was first and third one out. Gabriel Moreno grounds into a double play and now I'm like would that extra run at least maybe would have sent this game into extra innings because Scott McGuff in the bottom of the ninth starts it off with a home run to David Dahl and you're like man that Moreno run would have been big time here and then he gives up another back-to-back home run to Hassan Kim and it's like all right maybe that Moreno run would have just kept this a tie ball game but with the way McGuff was pitching in that ninth inning I don't know if anything could have salvaged this game for the D-backs and it's really disappointing to see because now the D-backs 
fall below 500. They're two and three on the season, still super early, but we do have some question marks now for this D-backs team about how do they bounce back tomorrow in game two? Will they show that resilience once again like they did in game four against the San Diego Padres when they were able to tie up the series in game two? Because I think so far the D-backs have after back to after their game one loss to the Dodgers, they won game two, then they lost game three, then they won game four. So, so far, every loss the D-backs have had this season, they have followed it up with the win. So let's see if they could do it again today, I guess, against the San Diego Padres. But I don't think it's ever too early to start questioning the bullpen because the D-backs have needed reliable arms for a while. I'm still I'm still Going to give Scott McGuff a little bit longer of a leash. I don't think after today he should just be ripped of his closer duties. But another one or two appearances like this, then like, yeah, maybe we have to start thinking about trades. Maybe we got to start moving um, pieces around in the bullpen for that ninth inning. Because the bullpen the last couple of years has been the biggest issue for this D-backs team. And I true, truly believe this team could have been a borderline wildcard team last season if they had a league average bullpen. And the ninth inning has been a nightmare for the D-backs for the last three seasons. And I started getting PTSD once again in that ninth inning. Once I saw that Scott McGuff home run, I was like, all right, it's at least a tie ball game. Maybe we go to extra innings. No, back-to-back home runs. The game is over. In about 15 minutes, D-backs fans went from feeling euphoric to feeling existential dread, and it's all because of the bullpen. But I think it's still too early to make bold proclamations about this D-backs team, about where they're going to finish in the standings. I think it's just fair to say, keep an eye on the bullpen because that's been a... The, the Achilles heel for this D-backs the last few years, and so I don't think it's ever too early to start being concerned and cautious when it comes to the bullpen. But before we lean into any more negativity, let's talk about some positives from this D-backs team. The first positive, or from this game, the first positive, Corbin Barrels, because this was maybe the Corbin Carroll breakout game. In yesterday's game, he was wreaking havoc. I keep saying yesterday because I'm recording this after the Padres game. So two days ago against the LA Dodgers, Corbin Carroll showed the speed. He showed it off to the world. Three stolen bases were just creating havoc on the base pass. And then tonight, he showed what he could do at the plate because Corbin Carroll had three hits, a couple singles, had his first home run of the season. And Corbin Carroll is starting to flash. He's starting to pop and he's starting to come out that cocoon. And right now he is carrying this D-backs offense because the offense so far has been anemic, but not Corbin Carroll. Three hits in today's game. He looks phenomenal. The second thing that I like from this game against the San Diego Padres is prior to the ninth inning, the bullpen actually holding it down. Cole Seltzer gave up a couple walks, but he also struck out two, went 1.1 innings pitch. Miguel Castro, he's maybe the next guy we have to look at for a potential closer role for this team because he's looked nasty so far in the couple appearances I've seen. His slider has looked unhittable. He's got that upper 90s fastball as well. Miguel Castro went 0.2 innings pitch, one strikeout. Only five pitches, all strikes against the Padres today. Miguel Castro might get a look in that ninth inning. And then Andrew Chafin, the sheriff. No walks, no strikeouts, no hits, no earned runs. Just one inning pitch, very clean. It was Scott McGuff who struggled in that ninth inning. So from the three guys we saw before, Scott McGuff, I liked what I saw from the D-backs bullpen. Hopefully they can continue to hold it together. And hopefully one of these days, the ninth inning guy can come through and actually close the ball game. Then the final thing that I really like from this game, which is not even really game related, 
It kind of is, but just every time Nick Ahmed came up to the plate and they showed his picture on the big board, they had a fun fact because UConn, or because Nick Ahmed went to UConn, last night was the national championship game for UConn versus San Diego State, so they had all these fun facts about how many outs Nick Ahmed recorded at the plate at um, UConn, or how many times he struck out over the course of his UConn career. Like, they had all these anti-fun facts for Nick Ahmed, and the whole crowd was booing him. Like, Nick Ahmed seemed like the superstar of the night for the D-backs because everyone was invested in Nick Ahmed just because he went to UConn and the national championship was against the San Diego College. So I just thought that was a really fun little subplot that we saw throughout the game. But overall, it was a fun game for most of it. You had the energy, you had the excitement. It was a close game. You saw the D backs clutch it out in the ninth. You saw the Padres come right back and clutch it out themselves. So overall, fun finish. It just so happens that the D backs ended up on the wrong side of another fun finish. Now, if you ever want to go to a D backs game, but you're struggling for tickets, maybe they're expensive, maybe they're sold out, maybe you just have trouble with the app, then you need to go to game time if you want your tickets because hunting down tickets shouldn't be an issue. Buying tickets to your favorite events should never be stressful. That's why game time is the best place for last minute ticket deals because forget planning months in advance, Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seats before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Lock on Dimebacks podcast and let's discuss some things that we didn't like from this D-backs versus San Diego Padres game. And then we'll actually do a little preview about how the D-backs can get back on track against the San Diego Padres today because the first thing I want to discuss about what I didn't like from last night's game was I liked Ryan Nelson. I thought he was actually solid. I didn't think he was that bad. He made a mistake in that first inning against the Juan Soto home run, gave up a couple doubles, but... What I didn't like from Ryan Nelson is the inconsistency with the velocity because coming up through the minor league system, like back in like 2019, 2020, I guess not the COVID shortened season, but back his first couple of years in the minor leagues, this was a guy with the upper 90 stuff, probably sat 97 consistently, could sometimes touch triple digits, was sitting between 97, 99. But now Ryan Nelson, his fastball velocity has ticked down a little bit and it's been like an issue throughout spring training about how he seems to be arm fatigued early. And the thing with Ron Nelson, we've always talked about how he would throw the gas early and then by that fourth, fifth inning, he really slows down. But 
From this first start against the San Diego Padres, the velo was already down compared to normal because in Ryan Nelson's first start of his career was also against the San Diego Padres. Just last season, his fastball averaged about 95.1 miles per hour in that start. But in his first start this season, his fastball averaged about 94 0.1 miles per hour and if you look at that first home run given up to Juan Soto 93 miles per hour on his fastball and that first double he gave up 92 miles per hour on his fastball so even though he averaged 94 the two the first two extra base hits he gave up were below that they were low they were low 90s fastballs and his spin rate I think was still right around his average with what it was last season but when that velo is that low and your spin rate it just it's not incredible, it's good, but it's not great. Then you don't get enough movement on that fastball, and you could just see it kind of just going straight the whole time. And if you're not throwing something that's straight and going 98, 99, if you're throwing it straight and it's only going 93, 92, then yeah, sometimes those balls are going to get crushed. But overall, I did think Ryan Nelson was solid. I thought he was also a little bit unlucky because he gave up three earned runs in this, but one of them was a smoke show, a smoke show, a hot shot off first base where it was just... Uh, it was just what? How do you want to describe it? A line ground ball that just hit the base and creamed off it. And Christian Walker was tracking the ball, but when it hit the bag, it went the complete opposite direction, went into the outfield, and a run scored. So I felt like that was a little unlucky for Ryan Nelson. I thought overall he was good. Just want to see him get a little bit more consistent with that velocity and see him return to last year's form in terms of his fastball. A second thing that I didn't like offense still looking anemic no one has really gotten going for this d-backs team outside of corbin carroll christian walker has actually been solid uh solid as well but if you're looking at the stats from most of these players like Ketel Marte went one for four tonight i think he has three hits on the season kyle lewis was oh for four guriel was one for four he has a couple hits on the season um evan longoria did get two hits tonight but again you look at the rest of this lineup Marte, lewis Moreno, McCarthy, so many guys in this lineup really aren't doing much for you uh, this season so far. Like Longoria had two hits tonight, but this was his first really productive game of the season. Like honestly, the two best players in the D-backs lineup so far through five games has been Corbin Carroll, number one. I think number two might be Nick Ahmed, who once again just looks solid up there, was getting hits when Corbin Carroll was on base, and he's just been kind of doing that. Like every time there's been runners on or runner in scoring position, like if Nick Ahmed is strolling up to the plate right now, I think I trust him as much as any D-backs offensive player. So definitely need more players. Like Nick Ahmed should never be your second best offensive player, and I wouldn't even be upset if you want to ride the hot hand right now and be like, you know what, Nick Ahmed? You're batting number three today. Like, that's how desperate we're getting with um, in terms of looking for offense. So we need to do something about that because this offense is not getting it done right now. Another game, eight strikeouts, only one walk. That's been the biggest issue with this D-backs offense. I've talked about how team speed and creating havoc on the bases is the path to D-backs success, and we saw it in Sunday's game against the Dodgers. But it's hard to create havoc on the bases if, one, you can't get base hits, and, two, you can't draw walks. The two things the D-backs can do right now, hit the ball or at least get on base. Until the D-backs fix that, this offense will never be good. And that leads into my third thing that I didn't like from this game that will actually maybe help improve this offense and just lineup construction. I just hate the way Tori Lovello is setting up the lineups. And look, I know he loves the platoon advantages because you had a lefty on the mound today. And so what did Tori Lovello do? Ketel Marte, switch hitter, let off righty. Kyle Lewis, righty, third. Lords Goriel, righty, Third, I guess Kyle Lewis was second, I meant to say. 
Christian Walker, righty, fourth. Evan Longoria, righty, fifth. The first five batters in the lineup were all righties, then Corbin Carroll, sixth. Guess what? Corbin Carroll should be one of the first three guys in your lineup every single day. Doesn't matter if the it doesn't matter if there's a lefty or righty on the mound. I have this crazy theory of playing your best players. And in baseball, your best players should be near the top of your lineup, in the middle of your lineup. And Corbin Carroll has been too far down in these D-backs lineups. He does too much on the bases. And if you could put him as your leadoff for number two, like, that would be phenomenal. Like, I don't mind Kittel Marte leading off. He had Kittel Marte leading off. Then Corbin Carroll's your number two. And then I don't even care who your number three is at that point. Maybe you go with Jake McCarthy. Guriel, you want to go again with? Sure. Maybe you depend on the put two matchup. Maybe that depends if Guriel or Jake McCarthy's batting third for you that day. But Corbin Carroll needs to be at the top of his lineup with how dynamic he is, with his speed, with the power he's starting to show. Corbin Carroll, our best offensive player right now on this team. Needs to be doing more work at the top of this lineup for this D-back squad. And then let's talk about, let's transition a little bit and talk about what the D-backs need to do. Or at least do a little preview for today's game against the San Diego Padres. Because we got a big rubber match in this game. Zach Gallen versus you, Darvish. And I got some fun facts for you guys because we know Gallen's coming off just a terrible start against the LA Dodgers. We got lit up, but I'm going to give him a reprieve. Massive Bumgarner, I knew he was going to be bad in that first start he had, and he's Madison Bumgarner, right? For Zach Gallen, his first start was so bad, but it's also like he's Zach Gallen. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's a stud. I think he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. I'm not worried they got lit up against the LA Dodgers, but... I am a little worried that he can get lit up against the San Diego Padres because I got some good and bad news for Zach Allen against the San Diego Padres. Here are some fun numbers. Let's start with the good. Zach Allen in three career starts against the San Diego Padres at Petco Park. Allen has three career starts at Petco Park in those three starts. He's only given up four earned runs in 14.2 innings pitch. But on the downside... He's got a 20 strikeouts to 11 walks, and he's given up 12 hits in those 14.2 innings pitch. So he might have skated a little bit on the edge of danger in those three career starts at Petco. But that's the good. The bad, Zach Gallen last season against the San Diego Padres gave up nine earned runs in 16.1 innings pitch. So Gallen in his most recent season against the Padres did not look good and got lit up against the Padres a little bit last season. But... In terms of his career at Petco Park, he's been very good at that place. So are we going to see bad gal against the San Diego Padres? Or is he just better when he's in San Diego? He could hit the beach in the morning, you know? We didn't know California stuff is still legal out there. So maybe he gets himself a little something-something at the store, you know? Get himself some Harebro gummy bears before hitting the beach. Maybe he just relaxes, and that's why he's so good in San Diego. So hopefully Gallon, in the second start of the season, can get back on track against this Padres team. But... Not an easy start to the season for Gallon. Dodgers and then Padres, and then guess what? If you're getting a second turn in the rotation for this D-backs team, you're probably facing the Dodgers once again. So sad that guys like Merrill Kelly, and it sounds like Madison Bumgarner might make his next start too. Those guys are going to get two turns to the rotation twice against the Dodgers. Twice against the Dodgers. Feel bad for those guys. And then you Darvish on the mound for the Padres. So let's do a little good case, bad case scenario for you Darvish because Darvish and five starts against the D-backs last season dominated the D-backs 
seven earned runs, and 32 innings pitch with 31 strikeouts. The D-backs could not do anything against Darvish in 2022, but what if we go one more season prior? In 2021, the D-backs murdered Darvish. 17 earned runs and 23 innings pitched. So the question is, how? which D-backs team are we going to get against you, Darvish? Are we going to get the 2021 version where they murdered you, Darvish, and made him look like he shouldn't pitch in Major League Baseball? Or are they going to get the 2022 you, Darvish, where you, Darvish, makes the D-backs look like the Reno Aces? It's a good question. Big pitchers duel tomorrow. Offense needs to step up. I imagine with Darvish on the mound, we see some more lefties in the game. Guys like Josh Rojas, guys like Alec Thomas. I expect them probably in the lineup for today's game against you, Darvish. So hopefully the D-backs can get back on track and start the season with back-to-back series splits against the two best teams in the division. And guess what? Those would be wins. If you start your first two series against the Padres and Dodgers and you split both of those series like the D-backs last season, only had five wins against the Dodgers. They already got two this year. Last season, the D-backs had five wins against the Padres. If they could get one win tomorrow, that means you're already close to totaling your wins against both of those teams from last season, just your first two series into the new year. So hopefully, the D-backs can split the series tomorrow, or today, I should say, and get right back on track. But like we've discussed, Mike Hazen might need to make some moves for that bullpen, and maybe improve it before it gets too late and if you want to be the gm if you want to feel like mike hazen then you need to download the app the ultimate baseball gm because pro baseball gm is the coolest game i've played in a long time i've always thought i could be a great major league gm as it turns out it's not all that easy if you've had the same thought and have fantasized about managing your own franchise then go and download pro baseball gm immediately the game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise playing through seasons and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty and the simulation you're responsible for hiring the right coaches and staff managing team finances scouting and drafting players managing managing through difficult personalities and injuries navigating your franchise through free agency and all the ups and downs of a season All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is a completely free and playable offline play on the go as you want and when you want to. I love this game because I adopted, of course, the Phoenix Pirates and my team is good. My team didn't go undefeated, but we did win three-fourths of our game. And I think I have the best team among all our locked-on hosts. And right now, I am just murdering them in the Pro Baseball GM app. So right now. Locked on Dimebacks listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. Download the game. Just visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app store. That's probaseballgm.com, Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. Oh my God, I just realized I did that whole ad read without my overlay. I am so sorry to Ultimate Baseball GM. Maybe I can add that in the little post-production edit bay that I have to do for this video. But let's get back to the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. And 
Let's discuss Madison Bumgarner and his potential arm fatigue because Madison Bumgarner, after his start against the LA Dodgers, was sent back to Phoenix because he claimed arm fatigue. But right now, it seems like he's all good and he's scheduled to make his next start. But it is a concern because Madison Bumgarner is an older guy. He does have a lot of miles on that arm. And this is not the first time we saw this issue because this is something that crept up during spring training and something that the two have discussed, um, Madison Bumgarner and Tori Lovello. And so now it's something that we have to monitor going forward and it's something that we have to you know warrant the question does Madison Baumgartner eventually have to go on the injured list if he has another start with another arm fatigue issue does he have to go see some doctors does he have to go on the injured list to figure it out does he maybe just get some rest and just miss a start or two I don't know but there's a lot of things up in the air for Madison Baumgartner but I don't think we'll know until we see his next start just because that most recent start Toy Lavelle talked about how the Talked about how his breaking balls were kind of loose and things weren't consistent. He said he was around the zone, but there were some big misses. So I think depending on how he looks in his most upcoming start will depend on whether the D-backs need to do some more further evaluations for Mad Bum because he allowed four walks. He hit someone. He gave up like five earned runs. And the biggest thing for Mad Bum, his fastball velocity, way down it averaged 89.1 miles per hour on saturday his average in 2022 was 91.2 and that was a big thing from last season it was like whoa mad bums velo is back up a tick or two it seems to be back down a tick or two this season so we have to watch Madison bumgarner and see if this arm fatigue is for real and see whether it affects him long term but let's say it does let's say the problem persists and Madison bumgarner either has to go on the IL or he has to miss rotation starts. Like, what should the D-backs do? How would the D-backs move ahead with replacing Madison Bumgarner in the rotation? Well, I got some ideas and some candidates here to replace Mad Bum if it went sideways, if it went that direction. Number one, I think the top candidate is Dre Jameson, who came in and looked phenomenal in that relief appearance for Merrill Kelly. He was throwing like mostly sliders as his go-to pitch, and he was just wiping away dudes and still had a 94-mile-per-hour sinker ball, still had a 97-mile-per-hour fastball during that game. So I think Dre Jameson is number one on my list. Like I think that's a dream, a Dre Jameson, Ryan Nelson, 4-5 combination in the rotation with the Mass and Bumgarner out. I think that would be that absolute dream scenario if that was to happen if mass bumgarner was on the il or had to miss some time i think the second best candidate is the guy who is also in the running for the number five spot in the rotation tommy henry who's still down there in the minor leagues who's still down there for the reno aces and still has more major league experience than a ryan nelson or a dre jameson so i don't think he's a high ceiling kind of guy but if you need someone to go out there and give you five innings and maybe three to four earned runs and just hold it down just be solid. Just, you know, maybe have a start where he could get shelled or maybe have a start where he just does enough and gives the ball over to the bullpen and it's still a winnable game. He could have a quality start. He's that kind of a pitcher where he's just fine. He's not going to blow you away. He's just fine. So I think Tommy Henry is the number two candidate. Number three. This is where it gets kind of wild. This is where I don't think it's really realistic because it's still so early in the season. But if the D-backs wanted to get wild and say, hey, you know what? The youth movement is here. We're not wasting any time. We don't care. Brandon Fott, welcome to the big leagues, baby. Maybe they go Brandon Fott 
debut him, see what they have in a Brandon Fott, throw him right into the fire, throw him right in the rotation, see what he could do for a start or two. I don't think that's very likely, but it's possible. And then Tyler Gilbert, number f- is like my fourth candidate. He's still there in the minor leagues. I don't really know how it works with options and what that would mean for service time, but I saw he was still on the Reno Aces roster. He's made an appearance this season for the Reno Aces. I think the guy who threw a no-hitter in his first career start against the San Diego Padres maybe deserves a look or two if it comes down to that. But I think Jameson, Tommy Henry, and Brandon Fott should all get looks before a Tyler Gilbert. And let's say Dre Jameson did have to move to the rotation and Joe Mantipi wasn't back yet. You could call up Justin Martinez as a reliever, or you could call up Luis Frias, who we know is electric, but also knows a big headache as well. So D-backs at least have some options in Reno if Madison Bumgarner does have to miss some time. Now that's it for this edition of the Lock on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Um, go catch up on yesterday's podcast if you missed it with Sully Baseball. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. I think I already said that already. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day, the Locked on Fantasy Baseball podcast with Matt and Dom, who will keep you up to date with fantasy news, strategies, analysis throughout the regular season. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.